Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by a friend of mine, Todd Bumgardner. He's a strength and conditioning coach, author, and founder of Human Predator Pack Mule. He trains tier one tactical operators, backcountry hunters, and everyone in between while hunting all over the country himself. So Todd actually trained me last year um, for some of my hunts and wanted to bring him back on to talk after last year when I had the podcast with him and then decided to train with him and kind of go through some of those things. But the main point of this episode is to discuss the five biggest mistakes he sees hunters doing while training for backcountry hunts and which that includes not enough recovery and sleep the high intensity interval training doing that improperly how to ruck properly why strength training is important building that aerobic base training athletically dealing with uncertainty and a lot more in between here so i really hope that uh, you enjoy this episode 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge to edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. 
Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk anything like that so if you head over to airbnb and search elk cross and getaway in the pa wilds you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here then we'll get you 10 percent off of your first day but first i wanted to give the mountain buck monday story of the week from arlo legacy so First, I want to say that next week there will not be a Mountain Buck Monday story. I will be on the bear hunt. And uh, yeah, so I won't have a story then. But uh, we have one more this week. And then I'll I'll pick it up that following, either that following week or the week after that. Depends on when I get back from that hunt. But anyways, so the story from Arlo goes, I got permission on a new piece of private property in New York near the end of archery season through a friend of a friend. The property is a largely old timber situated on a steep east-facing slope with a lake as a border. I was able to get in one afternoon to scout, but the thermals caused me to rethink my access, so I pulled out. Going into this property post-rut and the general rifle season, I relied only on mapping and landowner stories of a big buck daylighting. I got in one afternoon for an evening observation sit and was pleasantly surprised at the amount of does in one of the drainages. You could tell these deer were unpressured and I felt like I nailed my access and had the thermals figured out. The next morning was Thanksgiving and all I could think about when my 4am alarm went off was the possibility of a late doe pulling a nice buck into range. I got in clean and found a nice tree to sit at the base of, rifle in hand with a couple of small shooting lanes. The morning was wet and uneventful, with only two deer spotted and thoughts of Thanksgiving dinner being prepared at home. I got up around 10 a.m. did a still hunt around the border of the property as I moved towards the truck. I followed a game trail through some red oaks, acorns, and several fresh scrapes, and I was just about out of the woods. I looked ahead and caught movement. Realized it was a buck feeding through. I was only able to make out the antlers, but knew immediately he was a shooter. He moved painfully slow over the next 10 or 15 minutes, casually feeding towards a small shooting lane. I hit him at 40 yards with a 143 grain round from the 6.5 Creedmoor, which did his job perfectly. He dressed at 165 pounds and was my second nine point buck of the 2021 season. So you might have heard Arlo on. Uh, previous mountain buck monday story i think back in the fall and where yeah he shot another <laughs> nice nine point i mean he had an incredible season there um in new york so arlo 
I appreciate you sharing the story. Awesome photos. Um, head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook. You can check that out. And thank you for sending that in and congrats on a great season. If you have a story, a mountain buck story that you want to share, send over a couple photos and a paragraph to Bo at East Meets West eastmeetswesthunt.com and uh yeah then we will i'll get that uh shared i love sharing these stories so thank you and as i said a little bit ago i'm i'm already traveling i'm out missouri right now but i'll be on a bear hunt uh here this coming um it's coming thursday so i'll be just a couple days here i'll be on that hunt so I will not uh, I will not be able to respond to any messages, any emails, anything during that time. Orders will still ship out as planned, um, but uh, I will get back to everyone when I return. So thanks, and hope you have a great rest of your week. All right, we're live. Tom, Todd Baumgartner, welcome to the show. <laughs> I screwed it up. Man. That's, that's the second time you've done that. <laughs> did I do that the first time too? You did. I said yeah. Tom. Yeah, it's easy to say. Well, because it all fits. Uh, whatever. There's like way more Toms than there are Todds. It's all good, buddy. <laughs> well, your last name kind of like with the B. With the B. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that intelligent. So it takes me a little bit. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> uh, so how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just here in my gym. Uh, just finished up a quick workout, and uh, I'm honestly going to spend the rest of the day getting some tattoo work done on my arm. So it's a pretty good day for me. What are you getting? I have this, I have like a big mural on my, on my forearm with all of my, my hick stuff on there. There's mountains and there's a, a brown trout and a deer antler. And there's a, a snake wrapping around all of it. And the snake's called the Ouroboros, the snake that eats its own tail. So just, uh, <laughs> kind of just a mural about my life. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's funny. I've, I've had, I've drawn, I like drawing. So like I've drawn up tattoos that i wanted to get i always wanted to get a half sleeve the whole way up and i i have nothing i have no tattoos but like sure. I've, my whole life i've like evolved this thing that i was gonna do and i've i've never done it hey man someday it'll strike you it took me it took me years to to get this to like this is what i want and then find the right uh right artist to do it and stuff so sometimes it just strikes you and you do it and uh, otherwise you just you had fun drawing out a tattoo yeah know? no it was it was it was fun anyways you know maybe maybe i'll just do like you know, because I change it up here and there. Maybe I'll just, uh, you know, get those henna tattoos like every That's few weeks and uh, <laughs> roll with it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Just do that. Yeah. So, Todd, it's been it's been about exactly a year since the last time that yeah, I had right. you, you on, and that was right right as I was. I don't even think I was training with you at that point yet. I think it was like right as I was about to start training with you so wanted to bring you back on so todd human predator pack mule strength faction you have a whole bunch of things going on so if you would kind of give your elevator pitch of yourself and uh sure um yeah for anyone who doesn't know or didn't listen to that last one yeah man so uh my main gig is as a strength and conditioning or human performance coach um the terminology bounces back and forth so i own a training gym in loudon county virginia I also work with a tier one group of operators as a human performance coach. I own and operate a mentorship for other trainers and coaches from all over the world called Strength Faction. And then um, I also have Human Predator Pack Mule, which is an online training uh, and coaching program for backcountry and mountain hunters. 
Yeah. And that's, that's the, the human predator pack mule program was the one that I went through mm-hmm. last year and it was definitely an, an eye opener as far as a lot different training than I had ever uh, been a part of. And, uh, it, it was an interesting, it was an interesting transition from trying to flip my mind on what I, what I was kind of, I don't know if fed's the right word, but what I was told or what I thought was sure. the correct way of doing things to doing it the way that, uh, doing it the way that, that you prescribed and that you've learned through your years of experience and training some very high level people. And it, yeah, it was just, it was a completely different experience. And, um, so it, um, when I went through that, that whole program there, like the, when I, when I say that, so to give a little bit of more of a background, sure. you know, I thought of like more of to get in shape for hunting. It was a lot of just high intensity shit. You're just, you know, high heart rate going. And you were like, Mm-mm. like, not that there, there's a place for that, but sure. it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't the, the exact kind of prescribed program that I was used to, I guess was how I'll put it. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I mean, first of all, it's not necessary. Uh, I think that we, you're right. We kind of, all of us throughout the years have kind of been sold that to get in shape or to be ready for something, you just have to beat the absolute crap out of yourself all the time. And the truth is that you don't, uh, the truth is that's actually the worst thing that you can do. Um, you want your body to adapt to things and to adapt to things, you have to leave some reserves in the tank. So your body actually has the ability to adapt. So, you know, for example, if you went in and you, and you max out your bench press every day, there's going to be a period where you get stronger and then you're essentially going to run out of resources to adapt to that. It's going to be too much for your body. And then you're actually going to start going backwards um, because you didn't build the raw materials to be able to actually move your bench. Another thing to consider is like um, there's a concept called supercompensation, and that's essentially what keeps us alive. So your, your body will naturally adapt beyond the stress that you give it. So if you, for example, if you, uh, go and do moderate to low heart rate training, your body will adapt to beyond the stimulus that you get, you gave to it so that the next time that stimulus you're given that stimulus, it requires less energy for you to do that task. And so that's essentially training is giving your body enough of an input to create a stimulus to say, Oh, well, I have to adapt to this. So I'm stronger next time without going too far and taking too much from it that it can't recover from the training that you gave it. And so my training, uh, is all based on building those reserves and, and layering fitness in a smart way that builds the raw materials for going into the mountains or to the back country, not necessarily saying, every workout should feel like a pack out or every workout should feel like that uphill that you got to get up to the next ridge or whatever it might be. Cause if you're always training like that, you're never actually going to build the resources to do it or recover enough to have the readiness to do it when you actually go hunting. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I think it, it makes a whole lot of sense when you explained it to, to me that way, but it was, it was so uh, different to like when we first started out and you first started me with like a baseline and you're like, okay, let's test you in these certain aspects and see where you're at to be able to, to go from there. And, and, you know, when I had, when you're starting some of the heart rate uh, training and keeping my heart rate under a certain level while doing cardio hiking specifically and, 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 well, I don't even think it started with rocking. I think it took me a little bit before you had me kind of prescribed on doing that, but it was like, I felt like I was going so slow 
to the point where it was almost painful um, yeah. until, but then as you know, you start recording those numbers and you start seeing as you do that, how you built that up where all of a sudden I'm able to do it a lot faster. I can almost do uh, you know, a slow, I can do a jog at the, at the same heart rate that I was doing at a walk, you right. know, a month or six weeks, you know, prior to that. And that's, and I, I think that's, for me, that was kind of like that eye opening type experience. And, and really it kind of falls in line with, you had just recently come out with uh, an ebook that was uh, titled the five biggest backcountry training mistakes and something free. If anybody wants to, to be able to go and, and find that. And how, how do you get that ebook by the way before i go into a little bit oh, about easiest, it easiest easiest way is to just go to uh my instagram account which is at human predator pack mule and then it's just right in it's in the uh the story highlights and it's also in the the link in the profile okay so like one of the things that the first thing in there was um about um time, not giving yourself enough time to be able to prepare for things and not, you know, cramming things. So do you want to explain a little bit, uh, about that and why, why you have that as your, the first mistake or or maybe I'm jumping too far ahead. If no, 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 let's do that back up, then let's go with that. Yeah. That's a good place to start. Well, uh, for example, like true adaptation to a strength training program or to build an aerobic base takes at least eight to 12 weeks, at least. Um, and so you look at that and you might say, okay, well, you know, I'm leaving to hunt in September. If I start in June, maybe that's not so big of a deal, but the truth is that you need that aerobic base and need that base of strength to be able to develop the other things that you need to do. So for example, um, if you want to be able to do the harder rucks or like the harder high heart rate stuff that you need to do towards the middle of the summer and and then, you know, towards the end of the summer, as you're getting ready to hunt, you got to have all of that aerobic stuff done first. So if you're, if you're just starting to train, um, way too close to your hunt, you're just not going to have time to get all of the things developed that you need to develop. Another thing is, is, um, there's a weird mindset shift when you don't give yourself enough time and you feel like you got to hurry and you got to press this button real hard. And like, you're going to, you got to, you got to push because you're running out of time. And when you do that, a couple things happen. Typically what I've seen is you push, 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 and then you don't actually recover. And then you go to do your hunt and then you're not actually in shape for it because you're not recovered. Like your body's still trying to, to figure out what to do with all the stress that you gave it, or people try too hard. Um, and they go too hard and then they get really sore or, you know, they feel like shit. And then they're like, well, maybe, maybe I don't need to do it. I'll just go hunt. It's no big deal. And then they're, they're not prepared in that way. And so you need the raw materials. It takes time to build the raw materials. So you got to give yourself the time to do that. And then also you have the mindset shift and what you're going to see if you start with enough time is the progression. Like you talked about, you're going to say, man, this feels slow, but then all of a sudden you see your pace improve and you see your heart rate stay down. And you start to realize like, oh man, I'm in better shape. And you start to feel your athletic ability improve and you start to feel all of these things happen. And then you feel the, how much the process is affecting you. And then it actually builds confidence and improves your mental skills, the things that you're going to need to go hunt. So you have to start early to not only build the raw materials, but to also have your head in the right place to be able to go hunt. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes total sense. It's, it's, um, And and I've been in that place in the past too. Like when I first, especially when I first started Western hunting, that it was like, 
all right, you know, the summer I started training and doing this. And then you all of a sudden you start panicking, like you're not where you feel like you need to be. And then you start doing more and then you're so much more prone to injury. Um, and then just like you said, not recovering. Um, and how much, how much do you think sleep plays a role in that? Oh God, it's everything. And when that's like, you know, I was thinking about, it's funny that you asked that because I was thinking about, you know, content to start doing for people, um, in the coming weeks and everything and about recovery because, you see all these recovery supplements and all of these different things. Um, but I mean, the, the, the main things that are going to help you recover is sleep, eating like an adult, drinking enough water, doing some recovery workouts and, and maintaining your stress levels. So sleep is huge. Like if you're not, if you're not prioritizing your sleep and trying to figure out how to get better sleep, that should be, that should be step number one. And I mean, even when it goes to like, when you go to your hunt, like I bought, which one did I Neo air X therm? I bought like the biggest, most comfortable, uh, sleeping pad that I could, because it's like when you, if, if you lose, if you don't get your sleep, then you're not going to be in the same place mentally when you're hunting either. And so it's, it's the same thing that, that just carries across the year. Sleep is just hugely, hugely, hugely important for, for recovery. It's the most important thing, you know, and, and I, 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 uh, I never really realized that like, that was something that last year there was a big eye opener, you know, my personal experience with how yeah. I got completely run down. And a lot of it came from, you know, work at, when I was working, you know, my day job, and then I was trying to do this on the side and then I was trying to train and I'm trying to prepare and do all this stuff for my hunt that I ran myself down so much. I lost a lot of weight that I didn't anticipate. I was sick all the time. My immune system was shot. My, I, I use my, uh, Garmin watch, track my sleep every night. And I was getting, I think my average last year was four hours and 34 minutes of sleep. And which is listen, I've improved on that. My, my big goal this year was to get at least seven hours of sleep at night. And right now I'm averaging six hours and 42 minutes. So I'm closing That's in on it. Good. I'm closing, I'm closing in on it and I'm been prioritizing that and, and not just trying to have that grit mindset that, Oh, I just got to do it because, you know, I got to be tougher than that. Cause I'll tell you what, you eventually your body does. There's, there's times for that. Like he, you know, right. there's times, sometimes you have a pack out on a hunt and it's late and you still got to get up and hunt. And there's, there's things that you have to get through, but like, that was such a, uh, my, you know, personal health took a crazy dive last year because oh, of sure. lack of sleep and it was not, it was not good. And, and I, I totally, uh, blew that off as not something that was incredibly important when, you know, I was looking at what are the productivity things I could do to be better, not looking at that. You need that recovery side of it. And I think that can be applied in a, a, d- a bunch of different ways, but I, I think, I think if you, you need to put out material on that, that's all I'm saying. Oh, I will. Yeah. And it's every part of life, but I mean, that's, that's the same kind of stupid story that we're sold where it's like, you have to hammer yourself and be tough and do all this kind of stuff. It's like, man, like I work with, I work with operators all the time. And one of the biggest things that we focus on is recovery and readiness, not trying to be a tough guy all the time. And I, and I think that that's where people don't realize that because they see a bunch of things on social media about like, well, if you want to be like an operator, blah, 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 you got to do this. It's like, well, first of all, you're not an operator. You're like an accountant that likes to hunt. And that's totally cool, man. But you're not that guy. So it's okay. And just like, let that alone. And the second thing is, is like a lot of the, the super high stress stuff or the crazy training and things like that. It happens in very short periods of time to get people ready for like selection courses and things like that. And then the rest of the time, 
it's really smart, sensible, sane training to keep them ready to do their job and not necessarily to like do any kind of crazy. Now their, their capacities are different because of all of the training and things that they've done in their life. But it's like, there's just this weird mindset because, um, it's very cool to be an operator right now. And there's a lot of hunting or whatever, um, training services that are, that are kind of use that as their mystique or are run by those guys. And it's just, you're just being sold something that's not reality. And the reality is, is you need to recover and you need to give yourself enough time to train, to be ready. Cause you know, for example, um, you know, you said about the, the being ready, like experiencing, like you got to do a pack out on little sleep and, and all of that kind of stuff. Well, the reality is the more you're ready and the more that you're recovered, the more you're going to have the bandwidth to be able to do that. Not necessarily like training yourself to do that all the time, because you're going to be run down by the time you got to do it. Like yeah. you, you build the mental skills during your training and you have the recovery so that when you're out in the, the back country, you're on the mountain and you got to walk an elk off or you got to walk a sheep off or something like that. Like you got to have the recovery to do it. And that comes from training like a sane and sensible and smart person throughout the majority of the year. So you can go do something crazy when you're on the mountain. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and the, actually the, the guy that I'm, I'm going bear hunting with here, when this, this, it'll, when this releases, it'll be that week that I'm leaving for my bear hunt. And, uh, um, so he's one of my best friends called roommates and, uh, he, he's, uh, um, Navy SEAL sniper. And I was talking to him about like how his training is. And I was talking about what I do with you and it, there was so much, so much similarities, but you were, you know, you're fed through the the media of like SEALs and these guys, these operators that are like, okay, they train super hard all the time. And he's like, that's not really goes, We train all the time, but it's not at that level. You know, it's not, oh. it's not this crazy intensity type level to, to be able to do that. And, and, uh, so that was kind of, that was interesting to me because just because I have that, um, you know, someone in that, that position that I never really had anybody else that I could talk to that has sure. gone through that. And it's, it's, uh, it was, it was really eye opening to me, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it can't be like that. Cause think about like the, remember the analogy we used the last time we did a podcast, like when you shoot your bow for the first time of the year, you don't go out and start ripping shots 75 yards and you don't just start doing it. You, you work up to your intensity, you know what I mean? And you start at five yards, you make sure you're doing, if you got to do blind bail stuff, whatever it is to make sure that your technique's dialed in and then you start working out. But even then, like you train your skills at very manageable ranges and then start to test and build out from there. And it's like, that's how, that's how things are done. Because if you are always pushing the intensity, you won't build the skills and you won't build the raw materials and you just, you'll be left unrecovered and likely hurt. Yeah. And I think that's where it's, it's really helped me to, to train, like make that part of my lifestyle. It's not just getting ready for the hunt, like that. I'm always doing something, you know, for it. Yeah. The intensity level or the amount, something's changed throughout the year, but I always kind of keeping that base so that when you do need to build on that, that it's, it's already there and you're not starting from ground zero because yeah, that I can't, can't tell you how many times I've, I've got into that situation where like I did really good. Then I get through the hunting season. I'd be like, completely dive off into a point where like all of a sudden I got to get on the squat rack again. And I'm hating myself because I can't walk for four days after that because I just, (laughs) you know, went completely downhill. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, the thing is to, is to stay in shape, like keep all of your abilities and then 
excuse me, just to press the buttons you have to press when you got to press them to get ready for something, you know? So yeah. absolutely. I'm absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. And so do you have anything else on that, on the time standpoint that you think that would be uh, anything else valuable to, to add here? Yeah. I mean, I think is uh, one thing I want to touch on is that, you know, I said, start early in the year and honestly stay in shape and then just try to press the buttons that you need to press when you need to press them. But um, I don't want you to think like, well, this is this episode is going to come out in May. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, I mean, if you're looking at this and you're like, oh man, well, what do I do? Like I'm already, I haven't really started doing anything. I'm behind the eight ball. You can still start now and start training sensibly and you're going to be in a way better place than you would have been otherwise. So don't discount that as like, oh, well, an all or nothing type mentality. You can still start now. You can still start training sensibly and you can make a lot of progress in a, in a full month. It's not the uh, a handful of months, but it's not the optimal scenario, but you can still get something done. So I just want to make sure that that I touch on that so it doesn't seem like I'm totally disregarding getting started now. Yeah, no, 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 no. And, and, and I think that's a good point too. And there's not, yeah, is there a time that's, too late to start? Probably not. I mean, there, I mean, there is, uh, I guess there's not an optimal, you know, thing if you only have sure. a couple months or whatever, but starting whenever just is something. better than just doing something. <laughs> yeah. And just realizing that you don't, don't just jump into the deep end of the pool. You're still going to start, start in a sane and sensible and smart and slow approach and, and get what you can done in those few months. And you're going to be way farther down the path. than if you would, if you're like, well, I only have three months, I'm going to do this like a maniac because you're, you, the, the, the adaptations that you get from that in your body, and we can go into that if you want to don't last that long. And then they're just, uh, they're just not sustainable. You can't keep them up. So no touch on that. I'd like to here. So for example, like, have you ever heard of like orange theory fitness? Yeah. Yeah. So we get like, we get at my gym, we get a lot of clients from orange theory fitness because people go there and they make a lot of progress really fast and then they fall off. And why do they fall off? Because they train ability. Like they, most of their training is, is highly anaerobic. Um, anaerobic training. It doesn't take long to get those adaptations and they, they fall off really quick. So you can't sustainably march through progress like you would if you focused on building a good base level of strength and aerobic development, because first of all, those adaptations, they take a little bit longer to develop. So it's easier to see progress. The other thing is that they last longer. So whereas, you know, an anaerobic to get the things that you need anaerobically, you typically only need like six sessions of like those terrible, miserable workouts where you're like, you don't want to do them. You need like six of them. And then those adaptations only last two weeks, something like that. Hmm. And so if you're constantly pressing that button, you didn't build any of the machinery that's going to allow you to continue to progress. Right. And so like, that's why, you know, you see a lot of military guys are like why CrossFit got popular with military guys. And, and people think that that's still the way that you should train. Like a lot of the hunting industry is just CrossFit with guns and it's, it, it, it does, it works for those people specifically for short periods of time. Because if you look at a Navy SEAL or you look at a Ranger or you look at like a Marsoc guy or something like that, they have so, they've done so much aerobic development throughout their careers in the military that when you touch that button, that the higher intensity, boom, they make a big bump, they make a big jump. And that's why it's like, oh my God, I got so much fitter. I got to do all these things. But what people don't realize is they spent years rucking 
and doing all kinds of shit outside and, and being in that aerobic space for such a long time that then when they touch that button, they make big progress. Now, the problem is, is they keep trying to do it and it doesn't last. And so you have to touch it and come back and touch it and come back and you don't need to touch it that often. So, um, so that's kind of uh, what happens with, with this higher heart rate type stuff and, and constantly trying to do it is you, you just, you fall off so fast because your body doesn't maintain ap- those adaptations. Well, it also takes a lot of resources from your body to maintain those adaptations. So, um, have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy may Johnny Stewart and others available at all times? Well, you can with cyber scout from Spartan forge cyber scout is like the chat GPT for outdoors, men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. Cyber Scout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code East Meets West to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. That's why it's, it's not smart to do that all the time. You do it enough that you need to be prepared, which isn't very much, like I said, to get that at six sessions. And then you also have to think about um, what do you really need? What do you, what, what is the, what is your hunt going to look like now? If you're doing um, if you've spent months doing really good aerobic development and you're in, in pretty good shape from that. And you know that like you have a gnarly sheep hunt coming up and you're probably going to need to be able to touch some heart high heart rate stuff because you're, you're going into some gnarly terrain. Okay. Let's do six sessions. Let's make sure that we, and then you maintain that and you, you time it out. So it's like, let's say you're going on a two week sheep hunt. We timed out that you're doing it just before you go. And then you have those two weeks where it's there and that's all you need. Interesting. I, uh, I, I didn't know that whole two, the, the whole six session and two week yeah. type deal with it. But it makes sense. Like when you would do, tra- when I did do a lot of training at that level. And then if I would to fall off, I felt like I was starting to ground zero, you know, again with, with being able to do that. And that's where I did feel like, uh, um, that's where I felt like last year that I had built like this, I built this platform that I was just able to go when I needed to. And when I needed to press those buttons, I was able to, was able to do that. Um, not a good example with the, my high country hunt, but that was, that was unrelated, sick, man. unrelated issues <laughs> that, that, yeah. came, that came down to that, which came down to the whole recovery and sleep and yeah. everything else that we talked about there. But funny, funny story, you mentioned orange theory fitness. So I actually dated a girl once her dad was one of the founders of orange. Theory. Oh, no shit. So I, I never went to one myself, but I saw the, the types of things that they did. I'm like, holy shit. That's Dude, I, I try not to poo-poo on stuff that gets people moving, but like 
it's just not smart. It just isn't smart and it's not sustainable. They have a really good business model and they make a ton of money. Yeah. But, uh, it, the training is garbage. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah, there's a lot of people that are definitely on, on that train for sure. And it may, I mean, I guess it, I guess what I see is those types of workouts, what, what I liked about them is they made me feel afterwards like I did something. Like they yes. make, they, they give That's you it. that false, um, false sense of like, I really did something because I'm fucking wore out. Like, oh, I'm yeah. just, I'm in, you know, not not feeling too well at that point. <laughs> and the thing is, is people think they need that to make progress. And until they have something something to measure against, they they don't know. And then there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it's funny that you mentioned that. I used to train, uh, man, years ago, about a decade ago, I used to train rugby players. And I remember, you know, I, I had this guy and he was a new, new client of mine. And he was talking about why he loved CrossFit so much. And he said, because CrossFit's the only thing that makes me feel like I do during a rugby game. I said, okay, so you play rugby on Saturdays. Said, yeah. I was like, how do you feel on Sunday? Like shit. So you think you can do that all the time and, and you're going to make progress and it's going to help you. And it, and it kind of clicked for him. So it's like, yes, like, yes, it might feel like, man, this is what that hard pack out feels like. But if you do that all the time, you're not going to be ready for it. You know? And, and I think another thing to consider is like, everybody wants to prepare for this big thing that makes them nervous. Right. So you got to pack out an elk, you got to pack out a moose, you got to do all these things. But if you look at like most of what your energy expenditure and what most of the things that you're going to be doing when you're hunting is it's a moderate hike in, you're not going to burn yourself out. And if you are, you're probably being stupid because you're moving too fast and you're missing a million things that you need to see. Um, it's going to be moving around at camp, holding weird positions, getting in and out of squats, like stuff like that. Like, that's the majority of your hunt. The pack out is a small percentage. Yep. So it's like people hyper focus on the small percentage when they need to focus on the other things they're going to have them ready. Yeah. And then I, I see like, and it depends on the hunt. Like I, I do see the need to have that, like to have that, I, I don't know the technical term for it, but where you need to move quickly and, you know, do that kind of high heart rate type of stuff. Oh, like, for sure. like, you know, say I'm, say I'm elk hunting and you see like the herds move in this direction. You gotta, you gotta be oh. feet to get to this point to get ahead of them or whatever it might be. Like there's definitely situations for it. It is, it is a minor part of the entire thing, but, and that's where I, I think it, you know, I, I don't think you put it this way, but you, you're not, complete you're not like shitting on the idea of building those capabilities it's just not something that you want to do all the time and do it smart right. you know do it in a smart way so that you're not not burn yourself out and like one of the things that i learned from you is like when you are doing these high intensity parts of your workout let your heart rate come back down take that the necessary breaks in between instead of continually doing that and the way i look at it is like okay say you you go down to the gas station, you fill your truck up with gas and you got, you know, full tank where when you're doing this moderate stuff, you're, you know, you're slowly moving down your, your gas range, but you still have enough. So you, okay, you need to hit that gas and you need to pull out in front of a car. You can do that and you're not going to run out of gas where if you're doing those high intensity things, you're using more gas all the time and Absolutely. you're running down around that, that E level there. Uh, it's just, you're, you're burning fumes at that point. That's a really, that's a really good analogy. I just came I, I up like, with that. Talk. It's great. Man. <laughs> On the spot, no less. Good for you. If you use no, it, just, just send me, just send me a I little will. bit A royalty is not a big deal. But. I was going to say, I'll make sure that I cite you every time that I say it. <laughs> uh, well, no, it's, that's good though. But you also like, okay, so say you have to run and get in front of the elk herd or whatever it might be. 
you're still going to be better prepared to do that if you've done the work that, like you said before, you notice that you could start to move faster at lower heart rates after training that way for it, it still applies. It's like still, that's what's going to get you most of that capacity. And you think about like the best things, the, the best two things that you can do to, to be ready to do that. And let's say you're, you're bow hunting um, is building that range that you're allowed, that allows you to do way more work at lower heart rates. So your heart rate doesn't jump and then working on your bow shooting skills. Those are going to be the two things that bracket it. And then maybe touch a little bit of like, okay, I'm going to shoot from a high heart rate, but be realistic. Like if you run out in front of the herd and you get out there and you draw your bow and it's like dancing, like a bee around a sunflower, you're not going to shoot anyway, or you shouldn't, you know what I mean? You're not going to shoot until you get your heart rate back down. And that's the skill of learning how to lower your heart rate after a, a hard interval, learning how to control your breathing and learning how to shoot your bow really well. So it's like, just mashing all that shit all together isn't necessarily going to have you ready anyway. It's, it's working on those things separately and then maybe touching on the skill a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I like that analogy. Dance like a bee around a sunflower. Um, no, but it, 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 it just totally makes sense. And even with like, uh, and, and, and most of these hunts, so you're looking at it, you're going on a Western hunt, you typically, you know, especially from us, you know, out East that are going out, you're going for a minimum of, five to a week. T- 10 days. Yeah. yeah. Five days would be really pushing it. But like, so like you're, you're trying to build that longevity over time, not mm-hmm. these, you're not just focused on these quick bursts of things that you need, but building that, that foundation so that you can do that. And, and I learned that through some of the different workouts you prescribed to me last year was like, this feels freaking weird that I'm doing something for 15 minutes a time and slow when like the deadlift stuff, when you were having yeah. me, uh, what's it, what's the technical term for that? Oh, eustress training. Eustress, eustress training. training. And, um, in doing it that way, it was like, okay, I'm building this over time rather than these quick bursts of, of things. And, and I thought that was awesome. Like that was, that was, uh, super helpful and just, it clicked in my head after, after I started doing it. So I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, I got that from the guys at my friends at Building the Elite. Um, they work with a lot of operators and help them get ready for uh, for selection courses and stuff. And how do you how do you express and build up your capacity to express intensity over time while also working on your mental skills? Because it's like you want to go, but you can't yet. You got to slow down, and also you got to control your heart rate. And so there's all of these things kind of mashed together in that cons- in that in that sense that work really well. Yeah, I first of all that page building the elite is super cool too. Ever since you it. shared a lot of their stuff and I, I love reading their posts on Instagram and and it's it's good stuff as well. Yeah. They are Craig and Craig and John are awesome, man. They know what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. And okay, so let's transition a little bit. Uh sure. Second second mistake that you had in in your five backcountry mistakes is about rucking. Um, mm-hmm. and you kind of talk about how, yeah, you know, I mean, L quarter weighs a hundred pounds and you need to, you need to be able to build that out, but you, you don't need to train with a hundred pounds in your pack to, to get ready for that. So explain, explain what that's all about. Yeah. I mean, the goal of rucking is to be able to move efficiently under load. And it's the same concept that we talked about with everything else. So if you're constantly hammering yourself with it, it's going to be too much and you're not going to adapt to it. So you're going to be working at too high heart rates. You're not going to get efficient with the movement. And also like you only get one spine, you only get one set of hips and you only get one set of knees and ankles and feet. 
So if you're putting all of that stress on your body all the time with these really heavy loads, you're just going to beat the piss out of yourself. And you're probably going to get hurt, especially if you're trying to rock on terrain, you know, and, and things like that. So it's just like we talked about with, you know, the, the aerobic development. I use rucking a lot for aerobic development. And it's about building that efficiency and being able to go faster at lower heart rates with moderate loads. And so if you keep it somewhere between early in the year, somewhere between 10% of your body weight, and we work up and we do some things that are above 30% of body weight during training, you're pretty, that's, that's about the range that you need to be in. But most of your reps need to be somewhere between 15, 20% of your body weight. That's plenty of weight. And if you're doing that and you're getting really efficient with it, you will adapt to it much faster. You won't beat the piss out of your body. And that super compensation thing that we talked about, you'll have it. Now, then you just do a few things to touch what hundred pounds feels like in your pack. And then you have all of the resources, you have all of the efficiency, your brain knows what hundred pounds feels like, and then you're good to go. Um, and another thing to consider with that is if you're strength training properly, that helps. So if you're just generally stronger, that hundred pounds isn't going to be as impactful on your body as it would have been if you weren't stronger. So, um, for example, like if you're moving a couch with your buddy, you know, if you're stronger than your buddy, it's just going to tax you less. You don't have to practice moving couches all the time to be able to move a couch. Like obviously the skill of, you know, playing Tetris and getting it into and out of a room is another, is another thing, but the physical ability, you know, yes, carrying stuff, you'll get better at it, but still, as long as you have that capacity and then you're working at low level on the skill, you get better. So it's, it's mostly rucking is about being efficient with moving under load. So even guys like you could talk to um, Craig and John from building the elite, they get people ready for, um, you know, special forces assessment and selection, which is a rucking and rucking and rucking and rucking with like 70, 80 pounds on your back sometimes. And they don't train guys with 70 or 80 pounds on your back. They make them really efficient with somewhere between 40 to 60 pounds on your back. And that's, that's the case. Like it just, and I just want to give that context because it's like, you know, these guys that are going out and have to do this thing because their career depends on it. They're not even doing that. If they're doing, if they're doing it smart, if they're being smart about it, they're not even doing that. So it's like you have one pack out for however many miles for one animal and a few trips. It's not like you're going through ranger school or, or special forces assessment and selection, which is a long time. So you just have to be efficient and your body has to be prepared to hit the load. And the best way to do that is to train with moderate weights and accrue a lot of volume. And one of the concepts that, that I really apply in my training is that capacity or, or volume always trumps intensity. The more you do something and the more input you give to your body, the easier it is for your body to adapt to it. And then it'll super compensate and you can handle higher intensities. But if you train at those high intensities all the time, you'll never have build the capacity to be able to handle the real world situation. Yeah. No. And, and, uh, so it's funny. I could probably send you a photo that you would laugh that I, when I used to, I think it was before it was my first year out West or maybe my second year, I used to push mow my yard with a hundred pound sandbag in my pack. And it was like on the side of a hill and going up and down and Heck, I couldn't move the rest of the night uh, when after I would do it. Cause that's, that's how I'd train. Like, I'd like, might do a little bit of rocking with like, I had a 50 pound sandbag and a 100 pound sandbag. It's all I used um, for, for either of those. And I was always hurting. My hip flexors were just destroyed. Like, everything was just not 
was not in a good spot. So <laughs> I, I love the idea. I think the the throwing her on while you're mowing the grass is a great idea. Yeah, got to temper the weight. You know? Yeah, no, I, I I I still I still stand by that idea of um of you know multitasking there a little bit and um actually gonna be doing that with um my other place that I have that I need to push mo because I don't have a rider down there. And it's kind of like that. I was like, that's what I'm going to do this summer is, you know, one day a week, I'll just throw a pack on, but moderate weight and, yeah. and do, do it that way to get that training. But it was just funny that I'd put that much weight in there and it was not, not okay. Well, you didn't know any better, man. You're no. just like, you're just trying to train and you want to be ready. So the, 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 the the spirit of everything is right. It's just learning to to do things with the appropriate amount of weight. So, and I, and I don't know how <clears throat> you know what's right or wrong about this, but some one thing that that I've done that I feel like has really helped me that even when I feel like and and you always can find time to be able to train, but even when I feel like that I don't have much time, even if I can get like fifteen minutes in, like just doing something, absolutely. And I and it, I think it even helps you on the mental side even probably more so than what the, the physical benefits of what that's doing, but just doing that and then ha- keeping that consistency is like, cause I'm like, you can find 15 minutes out of your day. If you're even in a really busy day to do something. And yes. I, I, I don't know. I just have really found that to be, be something that's been, been helpful for me. Absolutely. There's the all or nothing minds that will kill you. Um, and, and consistency is, is the mother of, of, any kind of progress, you know what yeah. I mean? So if you have 15 minutes, use it, whatever you have, use it, do something and don't feel like it's not worth it just because you can't do the entire workout that day. Or, you know, you're looking at the spreadsheet and and, and you're not sure where to start. Do something, do something. Absolutely. That's, that's crucial. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I think, I mean, you, you know, this from the, the business aspect with owning multiple businesses, like I, like it's just, it's these small wins over time or these small little things that move that needle versus the, the big, the big thing. Cause you're not, you're not always going to have these big wins. Or you're not always going to have these things that, you know, put you leaps and bounds ahead. It's just doing the, the little tasks, you know, every day, being consistent with it, being able to do that, that, eventually compounds and builds, builds something. And it, again, with all of this stuff, hunting, fitness, all that stuff, it, it relates in other aspects of your life as well. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it takes three, three downs of three and a half yards to get a first down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you keep doing that. You keep moving the change. You keep getting first downs. Like that's it. Yeah. That is, that's pretty much everything. Yep. There's not, there's not too many hail Marys that uh, are completed successfully. No, every once in a while you got to throw the ball down the field, but yeah. you can get three and a half yards every down and then capitalize when you get to the end of the field, you win the game. Yep. You know? Yep, definitely. And you kind of touched on a little bit here, but your third mistake had to do with the not actually strength training was kind of how you yeah. titled it there. So, you know, what, what actually is strength training and what, what do you see the, where do you see that gap in, in a lot of people when it comes to hunting? Sure. I think that a lot of the hunting programs that I see or just how people want to prepare for hunting is they, they mishmash strength training with something else. And so for example, like a set of deadlifts, and then you go do something else to get your heart rate up. And then you could do something else to get your heart rate up. And then you come back and you deadlift and you haven't actually recovered from that deadlift to be able to get stronger and, and actually apply the intensity that you need to, to get stronger. So for example, 
strength is a neurological adaptation. It's not, I mean, obviously having bigger muscles helps, but the biggest thing is it's the coordination of your nervous system and, and, and increasing the output of your nervous system that actually makes you stronger. Your nervous system takes a lot longer to recover between bouts than like your metabolic systems, like your different energy systems. And so if you're not giving yourself adequate rest metabolically and neurologically between sets of lifts, then you're not going to adapt and you're not going to get stronger. And so I see a lot of these things that are, are called strength training, but really it's like a set of a strength exercise with a bunch of circus tricks or something that's like super high heart rate that doesn't allow people to actually strength train. So for example, in our programs at the gym or in human predator pack meal, when we are strength training, like devoted strength training, do a set of a lift, take a minute or so, do a set of another lift and then a mobility exercise. And so by the time you get back around to the first lift, you've had somewhere between three to five minutes of rest before you get back to that, that same pattern. And so you have enough adequate rest to be able to put the intensity into the, to lift again and to continue to get stronger. And if you don't have it set up that way, you're not really actually strength training. You're, you're doing something that looks like it, but isn't really doing what it needs to do for you. Yeah. No, that, 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 that makes, makes a lot of sense. And, and again, the same thing with, with, with trying to do all these things combined and not giving yourself that recovery. We keep coming back to that whole recovery aspect that, that you've been hitting on there and being able to, to segment that a little bit. And one thing I always hear you say is like, when you add something, you need to remove something. Right. And, and so explain kind of that concept if you would. Sure. So, um, I'll, I'll use the, the program at my gym that we're doing right now as an example. So the whole first three months of the year, the first block of training for the year, we did a lot of work capacity work. Okay. So a lot, just a ton of volume with different things that look like strength training exercises, but we weren't necessarily strength training. So we did a bunch of work capacity work. Um, so we had to pull out the normal amount of strength training that we would do. So we only really strength train to maintain our abilities for one day per week. And then all of our developmental training was work capacity work, which would be either the aerobic development stuff that we talked about, some aerobic power work, which would be not in those anaerobic zones, but just at the higher end of the aerobic zones. And then um, a lot of movement training that looks like strength exercises, but is done in higher volume formats and so that we can build work capacity. So for us to be able to do that, we couldn't have kept our level of strength training the same Otherwise, we would have given our body too much and never worked. So now, into the phase that we're in at my gym now, we're doing more strength training. We went from a work capacity block into now we want to build our max strength back. We have all of this work capacity. Now we need to touch on the max strength button. And so we're doing more strength training. But to do more strength training, we had to pull the work capacity work back. So if you just start piling shit on, first of all, it's like, I, I don't know how you're going to have time to get it all done. And then the second thing is, is just, it's going to be too much and you're not going to get anything out of it. You're going to break yourself down and you're not going to recover and, um, you're going to go backwards or you're going to get hurt. Yeah. And so, so a question that I have is like, what about, um, if you're doing, all right. So say you're doing some, can you do like, say some strength training that had to do with like, Hmm like upper body type stuff like at one point and then do like some cardio that oh sure um like in like things that aren't like overlapping you know like say if you're you know you're doing squats that are strength training and then you know you're rocking after that might not be 
the like right you mean aspect. after you're after you're done squatting yeah like that might it um okay so it may have not wor- wording this very good but like okay so like if you if you were able to segment that somehow like where you were almost like different muscle groups that are involved in the, the different activities is that okay versus if you're like overlapping like okay you're strength training but you got you're, you're using a lot of your body with deadlifts and and squats vert and then trying to rock like that might be too much and so is this is this aspect. during this is this during this like so let me ask you this is it like you're gonna squat Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Then immediately ruck and then squat again. Are you saying like do a squat workout and then at the end of it, go rucking? Yeah. Or yeah. Or even at the end of the day, like say you work out in the morning. Like is that, is there like, I guess, is there like a time frame or anything there? Is that kind of dependent? the, 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 The biggest thing is, uh, your ability to recover from it. Um, I don't think that that's such a bad idea. I will sometimes tack like aerobic development work on at the end of a strength training session to increase blood flow and start to get the recovery ball kind of rolling. But if you would do strength training and high intensity heart rate work, like back to back like that, you're going to overload your body and you're not going to get what you need to from it. But you you could put some aerobic development like that, heart rates like between one typically between like 100 and 150 if you can stay in that zone afterwards or later in the day it's not going to hurt you but if you're if you're just mishmashing a bunch of high intensity stuff with your strength training then it's not going to work but the other thing to consider is that um a lot of that aerobic development stuff and staying in like the cardiac output zone so cardiac output is based on how much blood your your heart pumps out with each beat and so to train for that we need to train our left ventricle to expand. It's called uh, eccentric eccentric ventricular hypertrophy. So we want it to spread more, to pull more blood in it so it contracts harder and sends out more blood with each beat. So you can't have a lot of thoracic pressure for that to happen. So like that will limit what's called your venous return. If you you have all that thoracic pressure, it won't happen. So weightlifting for like cardiac output training is bad because you won't get the central adaptations. You might get some of the peripheral adaptations in your muscles and things like that, but you won't get the central adaptation. So in in ways like that, it's very important to separate them. But if you did a strength training workout in the morning and then went rocking in the evening at a low to moderate intensity, you should, that should be fine. As long as you're, you're doing everything that you need to recover from the workouts. Yeah. And I, and I know, uh, I know, um, 
myself and Matt comment, who's a mutual friend of ours, like we always talk, like him and I were going back and forth there when I was, uh, it was actually during the recovery part when I was sick and I had a whole bunch of things going on and, and he was going through, uh, different situations himself, personal situations himself. We, we'd send each other our, uh, our watches on how many steps we did in a day, just walking, just get yeah. just moving. You know, that wasn't any high intensity sort of just how, how much we're moving during the day, because that's something that even you're on hunch, you're just moving, you know, it's so important. It's just so simple. That's, that's not anything that, that, uh, it's, it's not anything that is crazy or anybody can't do. It's just no. moving. The best thing to do is to keep your activity level up and not be sedentary. And so to not be sedentary, you have to hit at least 7,000 steps a day. But like if you're hitting 10,000 or more a day, like, man, that's you activity level is hugely important. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the, the fourth mistake you already, we already talked about that a lot, but it was not about not building the aerobic base. Mm -hmm. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add to that, that part? I think, uh, having, knowing um having a tool to know what your heart rate is doing is hugely beneficial for this and having at least somewhat of an idea of what your heart rate zones might be i use a tool now called morpheus and spoiler alert for any of the human predator pack mule clients that are listening to this uh, i'm going to push all of you to start using morpheus too um, because it's a tool that starts to it, it monitors your recovery so it takes an hrv reading and and does different things um to monitor your recovery in the morning. And then it sets your heart rate zones for that specific day based on where your recovery is. And so something to know, Hey, I'm in the right heart, heart rate zones for what I'm trying to do. At least having a general guideline of knowing where your heart rate is. So it's not getting too high because, you know, we use respiratory rate a lot. Um, but sometimes that's not good enough because for example, I tested it one time and I can nasal breathe and get my heart rate up to like 185. And so, which is not, which is in some forms of training is totally fine. But for me to give you a nasal breathing prescription and say, just keep your heart rate there. Like you could like game it and be like, well, I'm still nasal breathing. So knowing where your heart rate is, is a good thing. Uh, it's also, it takes time and it takes volume to do that. So the best case scenario you should be doing to really, if you really need to focus on aerobic development, at least four hours a week. And now you can get that in by getting your steps in, by doing your gym workouts, by going rocking, by combining all these things to get that work in. But to really start to build that adaptation and get your development, your your, your foundation built, it takes some time and, and, it, and, and doing it consistently. But it is for every aspect of your life, from mental clarity, from being prepared to hunt, for health and longevity, it's one of the most important things you can do. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and, uh, uh, had something else I was going to add to that. So talk, it's okay. Yeah. When, when I started using, um, the heart rate monitors that went around the chest, the, the one that, that I had bought the Garmin one and, and we really started to monitor that you started talking to me about different zones and there's like these different zones, you know, zone Mm -hmm. two and all these different things of, of heart rate. So explain like you did a little bit about like, okay, between, you know, below 150 and these different things, but what, what do those zones actually mean? And is there like, uh, uh, how, how do you, how do you create these zones or how do you just know what your zone is? 
Yep. So the best way to know is to actually do a ventilatory threshold test, which is something that most people aren't going to do. Um, we, with human predator pack meal clients, I test them on two different things right now. I'm likely going to change these tests soon, but we do either a bike test and then we do a step up test and trying to get their heart rate up and see what their work rate is, get it up as, as high as we can while also seeing how quickly they recover. So that's one way to kind of estimate a zone. Um, another is, you know, it's old and it's, it's in some ways kind of dated, but the old 220 minus your heart rate. Um, or minus your age to give you your max training heart rate, that still kind of works. And then you can work back in percentages from there. Um, so zone one and zone two, those are like your recovery and aerobic development zones. So for most people, like for me, that's somewhere between 93 beats per minute and 152 beats per minute. Um, zone two and zone three will kind of bleed together there, but those, those are kind of where that's at. Then you have a, a zone that's kind of like your aerobic power zone where you're still, you're starting to blend some of your anaerobic systems and um, your aerobic system at the same time. But that's for me, somewhere between like 153 and 172. So that's where you're going to have the start to build the power of your aerobic system. So what's that mean? Capacity is how long you can do something. Power is how quickly a system can produce energy. Okay. And so we, we do the, the developmental capacity work first because it builds all of the raw materials of that system. So for example, you need things like mitochondria. We talked about the, um, we talked about the cardiac output and like the central adaptation of that capillary density. All of that stuff is typically built with your zone one, zone two, and low zone three training. Then the power training of that system is making it produce energy fast. So that's how, like when you're doing that uphill, and it's hard or you're running after those elk and you don't get to too high of a heart rate and you don't burn out fast. Because if you don't have all of those things built and you start running after those elk, your heart rate's going to go whoom through the roof and you're going to get into those anaerobic zones really fast and you're going to get tired really fast. So the aerobic capacity stuff first, then you have those aerobic power zones. And that's where you're going to train your body to produce energy fast. You're going to say, make those mitochondria work. You're going to make your heart work faster and get more blood volume out. And then, um, you know, teach your muscle mass to work in such a way. And then above that is like zone four and zone five zone in the aerobic power zone, zone three and zone four kind of blend together. Then there's zone five where you're going to end up getting really, really anaerobic. Um, and that's like right close to your heart rate max training max and, and above it. And you don't need to spend very much time there at all. Like at most around 10% of your training year. And it doesn't take much if that, if that, and depending on what you're going to do. So those, that's kind of how they break down and that's how they work. Okay. That, okay. That makes sense. What about, uh, um, so with like, okay. So when you're saying 10% of the time, that's what you're saying. Like the two weeks before that's like when you would focus yeah, on, that, yeah. on, I mean, and in some of your intervals, like if you're doing some interval training, like for example, I had you do high intensity continuous training, right? Most of the time, you know, you're going to stay in that aerobic power zone during that, but there might be a, a, a minute or two throughout that or out the total workout that your heart rate creeps a little higher and you got to slow down and go again. Or if you're on a ruck and your heart rate creeps a little higher, as long as your, your average heart rate stays down into that aerobic development zone, somewhere in zone one to zone three, you're pretty good, but it's okay if you touch that over time. So as it accrues throughout the year, you might hit that zone four, zone five space, and then come back down. But what I'm saying is, is you just can't be there all the time. And then, so throughout the year, you might accrue 
five to 10% of your time in that zone with through some of your workouts. And then there's obviously, if you need to do the concerted effort of some anaerobic training to get ready for something, there would be in that, but a total accrual would be somewhere close to 10%. But you, I don't think for most people that they need it because I think most people need so much aerobic work that they don't even need to go there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and I, so I look at it this way too, like when you're talking about building, building that capacity, you know, at those, those lower heart rate levels, it's like you're building a mound and you, you know, yep. you can walk up there and you're up top. So this is where you're sitting already. Like you feel good up above where if you're just trying to do those, those things where you're jumping up to those higher zones, you're, you're trying to climb fast and you get, and that's where, where you get that heart rate spike. But if you're up there and you just need to have that last little boost there it doesn't take as much exactly. energy or exertion and again that that was something i didn't i, I didn't necessarily uh, completely grasp and, and the fitness industry i if that's the right way to describe it is interesting because there's a million different perspectives and ways of doing it and knowing kind of what your goals are and, and, and everything. But so it's, it's easy to get flooded with so much information and different aspects that you don't know what to do with it. Absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's what, that's where I, I feel for, for ladies and gents that are trying to figure this shit out and want to get themselves ready to go hunt. Cause it's like, you have this guy telling you this, you have this lady telling you this and, and all of them are trying to sell you something. So it's like, what do you pay attention to? You know? Um, and there's just, it's just, yes, there are different, uh, tactics and strategies to be able to accomplish the same end, but the principles remain the same. And the, the main principle is you want each activity to cost you less. And the way to make it cost you less is to be relatively stronger and to improve your aerobic fitness. Those are the two biggest things that you can do to make things cost less energy. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And it feels so much more manageable for people. Like it's just, I, I think, especially if someone goes into looking at training to get ready for a hunt and say they're not like, this isn't, they're traditionally not someone that has trained or is, is used to it. They feel overwhelmed and feel yeah. like really like down about it. And, and it's harder to get that, you know, motivation only goes so far um, before, you know, being able to build that consistency and if it constantly being beat down, it's like, man, this really sucks. Like, no, no it, yeah, it, it yeah. Just really sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And it's, it's harder to, to stay with it. Now that, that doesn't mean that you're not working hard when you're doing, you know, this other training and you're not doing that, but it's not at a level where it just beats you down so bad that you feel like that'd be like, okay, like you're, you're trying to, get good at a sport you're trying to get good at you know say playing basketball you don't just go in and start playing against these high level you know college athletes um because you're going to feel like shit right off Absolutely. the bat and you're not going to want to continue to do that versus if you're starting and you're building that base and you start down at the you know when you're in elementary school or whatever and you know you kind of working your way up through then 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 you work your way to that point and absolutely I don't know. That's just, that's exactly right. You, you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time and yep. that's how you have to approach all of this. And it's like, whether you start with your, your starting point is getting 3000 steps in a day and then you bump it up to 3,500 and then 4,000 and then you start to like, okay, you start to see the momentum. So you're absolutely correct in everything you just said there. Yeah. And the last thing, and I know, I know, uh, we're running close on time here for you, but I, I want, you had just like a bonus mistake in there about not training athletically and not trying to deal with, with the uncertainty. So what does that mean? So, I, I mean, you still have to, I think, like I said, people think about the pack out 
and they think about hiking and climbing and all these things. But like we talked about a few minutes ago, first of all, being an athlete is going to, or at least improving your athleticism is going to prevent a lot of injuries. You're going to be able to move faster. If you stumble, you'll be able to catch yourself easier. Um, you'll be able to get into more awkward positions. You'll be able to hold those positions longer. Um, sometimes you got to jump. Sometimes you got to skip to get over something and having that ability to do that is not only going to prevent injuries, it's going to help you get into better positions. Um, so for example, if you need to get into an awkward shooting position, you need to hold a position, whatever it might be, being able to get into those athletic positions is going to increase your level of success and also going to cost you less energy. So you don't burn out as fast when you're out in the field, because here it's like, you know, we're sitting in chairs all the time, you know, we're sleeping in comfortable beds, we're doing all this, but you might have to cook your freeze dried in a squat, like sitting there squatting over by your, by your stove or whatever it might be. You might have to do something weird to get over a log. You might have to do all these things. So having improving your general athletic ability is going to increase your levels of success while also taxing your body less when you're in the back country. Then there's also, you know, the mental skills aspect of things where, you know, we hear a lot of things about just be tougher. You got to be tougher. All this tough stuff. Like, well, what does that mean? Define that for me. And, and then how do I do it? And so, for example, um, you know, we talked about the eustress training earlier. And part of that allows you to work on your mental skills of compartmentalization. So worrying about the thing that you're, you're worried about right now, do that thing, controlling your stress levels by being able to manage how you're breathing and focusing on the task at hand. And so focusing on those things, improving your mental skills and improving your athleticism, like that's the, that gives you that extra high percentage, like that takes you from the the 90% to the 95% prepared and, and having those things dialed in. Um, well, I think it keeps your head in the game Yeah, in, in a couple of ways, because, you know, from the athletic standpoint, like I said, things are going to cost you less energy. And from the mental skill standpoint, you can deal with the adversity and you can start to accept things and realize that like, okay, well, here's, I got dealt a, a, a shitty hand this time let's refocus and let's keep going rather than just letting that snowball on yourself and feeling like the world's against you and you're just getting your ass kicked and you're not going to be successful. Yeah. There's, and, and that, it, like when I think of hunting, the biggest thing that I always, well, there's two things you, you see elk on the opposite hill and you had dive all the way down and go, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the, the most obvious one. But the other one that's not as obvious that is that gives that, that gives you that motivation that's easier to go after. But when you have to drop a thousand feet to get water and come back up to camp oh, every day, yeah. Oh, that, that sucks. And, but when yeah. you have, when you have that confidence that you've built that, that ability up and that you can do that and you can, you can go down and get it and you're not feeling completely destroyed, uh, by being able to do that. Like that's, and then you might have to, you know, cross some deadfall. Everyone at elk hunted's run into deadfall at some point and how bad that sucks. Being able to move through that efficiently and and when you are in on a stock or and you have to be in an awkward position for an amount of time, how that is something that doesn't get talked about. And you've had me like do some weird ass workouts that like I'm like held in these positions and I'm like, you know, I, like these crawling type positions and things that was like, all right, I, I see where this <laughs> comes from. Yeah. Cause if you've ever been in that spot, it's, it's difficult. And you don't want it to be the first time. No, like when you're, you don't. When you're, when you have a, a tag in your pocket that you just spent a thousand dollars on, you spent how much money to get there, like whatever you did to, to make this happen. It's like, you don't want that to be the first time, you know? So, um, and there's also the aspect of like, just not, like keeping your head in the game, you didn't see anything for two days. 
You know what I mean? Keeping yourself going or you got rained out for two days. Like you didn't get to leave the tent for two days or something happens. Like all of these things kind of, uh, they combine to keep your head in the game so you can keep going forward. Yeah. Yep. I, I totally agree. It's just, uh, I don't know, building all of these things and having, you know, from all these different buckets of skills that you're building and this capacity to be able to do it just makes your hunt so much more enjoyable. Um, and we're talking about backcountry hunting, but man, this stuff applies to whitetail Everything. hunting so Absolutely. much. Like I, I say it all the time too, like even with, you know, when hunting in the, in the big woods, in the mountains here, really, really anywhere, but specifically I think of here and say, I have like, I'm hunting the rut and I have seven days I got to, um, uh, I have off of work and this is when I need to go hunt and trying to get that mile and a half hike in every single morning and out and then being able to sit there and do that and be able to move when you need to. And, and all these things, like when you build up that confidence that you can do that and that part's not a big deal to hunt where you can focus on the hunt, you just do that because that's what you're used to doing. That yeah. makes you so much more efficient because Absolutely. the the top, I mean, I, I talked to hundreds of, of the most successful hunters in the world through this podcast and every one of them that is consistently successful is that they don't quit and they're always, there's a lot of times it's the last day they're killing something or they're, you know, they're the ones that stick it out instead of giving up after three days or whatever it is. And to be able to do that, you got to be able to last that long. And that doesn't matter if it's whitetail hunting. It doesn't matter if it's uh, big game hunting out West. It's, it's all, it's all the same, the same thing. Yeah. You got to be able to hunt for longer. And the way that you do it is yeah. have your body and your mind ready to do it. Man. Yeah. I've, I've not figured out how to, how to be successful in a short amount of time all the time. Um, when I figure that out, then, you know, maybe that'll be a different story. It won't but... be as fun though. You no, have as much fun. I'm joking. Like, I'll, I'll never, there's figure times out. though, where it's night, like dude, in Turkey season, when, when it opened in Virginia year, uh, Turkey season opened, I think shooting light was six ten, and I shot my Tom at six thirty four. So sometimes <laughs> that's, that's really nice. I'll but, take it, you, man. I'll take yeah, it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. But it's also, it's fun to have to try to get your ass kicked for a while and figure it out, you know? Yeah. Like in 2020, it took me two and a half months to, to kill my buck and ended up being the biggest deer of my life. And it was like, I just kept going at it. And then 2021, I was like, first day shot my buck. It was. And I was like, I'll take that too, you know. <laughs> I can't, dude. Hey, it'd be a fool not to. No, it'd be a fool not to. Exactly. Well, cool, Todd. I uh, I appreciate you coming on, talking me about this again. And I wanted to get this different perspective, like that that I had to be able to give everybody because I, I've got questions on it. Like, oh, you know, you talked to Todd and you did some training, but how how did that all work out for you? And um, and I've I've taken so much from that uh to be able to 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 move forward and, and adjust and and that i mean i've just i was uh thankful that we were we were introduced and uh to from i think matt was the one that introduced was, me yeah. to, to you and matt's been a, a connector of mine and helped me meet some pretty cool people and you're you know you're on that list somewhere i'm not sure where but <laughs> <laughs> thanks man thanks man <laughs> no, but, um, and I'd mentioned, um, I'd mentioned it in that, that podcast where, um, where I did about going full time and, and, uh, yeah, you've been, you've been a big help with me on the business side of things and everything else. And that's been, uh, been super impactful. And so I appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk to, to everyone here. So, oh, dude, thank you, man. I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and I, uh, to come on and, talk about this stuff that I think that is really impactful and can help a lot of people. And I just, 
I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and you ask good questions and um, just the opportunity to, to spread this message. So thanks, buddy. Yeah. And for everyone that's listening, I, I, I don't have the the technical knowledge on the fitness side. So Todd always helps me with, I'm like, well, like, well, you know, I'll give this redneck version of how I see things. And then he helps explain it. So that's why I sure. like to have him come on. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, if, if you would, again, remind everyone where they can follow along with your stuff. If they do want to check out your training or get a chance to get this free ebook, which covers what we just did here and in, in a lot of detail. So you can go back, you don't have to take notes. You can go and read that and, sure. and be able to see it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Instagram account is at human predator pack mule. And then, uh, same thing on Gmail, just human predator pack mule at gmail.com. If you want to reach out that way. Yeah. And, and you got to follow your, your personal account on Instagram too. If oh, you, want, you yeah. want some, you want some funny, that's, uh, some funny humor to your day too. So that's just me being a goon. Well, it's, it's me being a goon and, and post. I want to get good at photography. So I post a lot of my pictures there. So, uh, that's just at Todd underscore Bumgardner. <laughs> no. uh, I love following your account because I, it always gives me, puts me a smile on my face when I see some of the shit that you do. <laughs> That's the goal, man. That's the goal. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. All right, man. Well, thank you again. And uh, we will talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.